Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, and it's just great to be. Somehow I don't have a uh, bulletin uh, this morning. Thank you. I thought I picked one up, but I must have left it laying somewhere. All right, so anybody have a birthday this past week? Celebrated birthday? No birthdays. How about anniversaries? Anybody celebrate an anniversary this past week? Okay, no birthdays, no anniversaries. All right, by by way of announcements, uh, it looks like that we have... uh, Congregational uh, meeting and election of officers on the January 15th. Uh, then we also have the Area Men's Fellowship meeting will be tomorrow evening, January 9th, at the Austin Christian Church. They'll eat at 6.30 and program at 7.30. So, uh, let's see, I think... Uh, Freddie said that he didn't know if he was going to drive this time or not, so uh, Austin Christian Church right off of 31. All right, Wayne wants to know, who's the greatest babysitter mentioned in the Bible? David. He rocked Goliath to sleep. (laughs) Do what? Oh, look at the stones. There you go. Yeah, he also his lively stones are built up as a spiritual house. First Peter two five. All right. Well, uh, I think then that we are ready for our opening hymn, Brother Bob. If you want to lead us, I would appreciate it. Oh, good morning. It's a blessing to be here, and a real blessing to look out and see all those smiling faces. You know, uh, I sang gospel music for a few years, and uh, it was always good to be able to just look out over the audience and see smiles. And then every now and then you find one that looked like he'd been baptized in the pickle barrel. <laughs> but we're not doing that this morning. We are going to turn to... Number 17, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Brother Mitch, will you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Our Father in God, we thank you so much for your many, many blessings. Lord, we, if we were to try to list or name all of the blessings that we've received, even just this morning, it would take hours. Lord, we are so grateful that we are able to get up and to come to your house this morning. We're so thankful, Lord, that we still have the freedom in this country to gather and worship you. Lord, we pray that you will be here with us in a special way this morning, that you will move among our hearts and minds and draw us even closer to you, deepen our love for you, that we may serve you more completely. Lord, bless this service, that it be a blessing to all. I ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. may be seated. Let's turn to number 160. There shall be showers of blessing. There shall be showers
Amen. Our communion hymn this morning is number 252. Amen. We're uh, changing up the order of communion just a little bit this morning, since I also have the uh, meditation. This is uh, from the book Come to the Table by uh, Greg Allen and Dennis Kaufman. It's entitled Before and After. Our culture has become intrigued with what I call the before and after phenomenon. A popular talk show feature these days is the makeover story. Persons introduced or a picture is shown in the before condition. Then a clothing expert, hair specialist, or makeup artist performs their magic and presto, transformation has taken place right in front of our eyes. Advertisers also love the before and after theme to 
illustrate the power of their products. After eating our low-fat sandwiches, using our exercise equipment, taking our pill, or undergoing our surgical procedure, you can go from looking like that to looking like this. Use your imagination. And the end result is always quite impressive. We've even become fascinated with watching neighbors switch houses and overhaul each other's tired, boring rooms. Video cameras track the action as the unscripted change unfolds. Well, in case you haven't noticed, the Bible contains some dramatic before and after stories as well. God is not so interested in our physical improvements. He's the author of spiritual transformation. My before and after character in Scripture is Habakkuk, one of the lesser-known prophets of the Old Testament. When you read the first few verses and the last few verses of his book, you can hardly believe it's the same author. He begins in a frantic state of doubt and anxiety because of the horrendous circumstances in which he lived. However, by the time he concludes, he's filled with such a powerful peace and trust that, we, that he can say, Whatever happens... We will rejoice in the Lord. This is the real change that I sense people of our day want to experience. We're tired of our receding faith, our flabby commitments, our dull spiritual routines. One of the key components of Habakkuk's breakthrough involved the power of remembering. He lived in one of those spiritually dry times when God's grace and comfort were difficult to see. Have you been through a season like that? God knows that life in this world can be a series of spiritual mountaintops and deep valleys. Our spiritual highs make it easy to find contentment, but when we go for those long stretches with very little sense of His closeness, God has taught us to rely on our memory. Communion stands as a memory aid beyond compare. It's the regular opportunity God provides to remember that his love has not changed since that day His Son died on the cross. In fact, the Lord's Supper is so packed with meaning that it provides a very real possibility of creating a before and after experience each time we eat and drink it. Only you know the before condition of your heart and soul today. But as you reflect and remember, it's His hope that the Spirit will stir something within you today such that you will not go home unchanged. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace that covers everything we ever did before we came to you for salvation. Thank you for the fact that our after is so much better with you at the helm of our lives. Help us to rededicate afresh our lives to you today. Amen. Okay, let's take a moment and just uh, reflect and if there's anything that we need to settle with the Lord, anything we need to confess, repent, let's take a moment of silence and do that.
The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all partake of the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's all stand for the doxology, please. Praise God. Okay, and uh, Brother Bob, you're going to lead us? Just skip, the Just skip the song and go into the sermon. Okay, you can be seated unless you want to stand for the scripture reading. Uh, give me just a second here and I'll get it ready. Right, 8.31 to 9.1. All right, so let's go ahead and do the reading. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Thus saith the Lord's word. May be seated. Thank you. So we have some things going on here. Uh, you know, we, we, we've seen 
several miracles. We've seen where Peter made the the great confession uh, that Christ was the Messiah. And uh, now then, Jesus is, for the first time, predicting his death. He is telling them uh, of what is the future, what is yet to come. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but if I knew that there was a lynch mob waiting for me, I think I would be tempted to go hide somewhere. (laughs) But not so with Jesus. He not only knew what was going to happen, but he knew it must happen and why. You know, it makes a difference when you when you understand things completely. That's not often the case for us. <laughs> That's where faith comes in. That's where we must trust God because he does know everything. He knows the beginning from the end. And, you know, here... It says he began to teach them that the Son of Man, not the Son of God, but the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and rejected, uh, and after three days, rise again. Now, the reason why he chooses the title Son of Man here instead of Son of God is to reflect that he is in a body of flesh that can die, that can feel all of the pain that he's going to go through. He's taking on a title that relates to us, but also is necessary because if he was only God, he couldn't die. But he was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. He could die therefore, but because he's God, he can also come back from that dead. I don't know about you, but I find that pretty exciting. That's what my God can do. My God is a God of life, eternal life. My God is a God who can. My God is a God who loves. My God is a God who wants to do for us what we need When we ask, sometimes he does it even when we don't ask. That's my God. That's his love towards us. And his love is not displayed anymore, anywhere more than on the cross. When he was willing to suffer for me, for you. He was willing to feel every stripe that they put on him with a whip. He was willing to. To feel the puncture wounds of the crown of thorns. He was willing to carry that cross. He was willing to feel the nails going through his hands and his feet. He was willing when God had to stop looking on him and turned his back and it got dark. He was willing to suffer that that loneliness. But even then he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the first time he had ever felt separation from the Father. The only time. But it must take place in order for him to take on all of the sin of every person who ever lived 
He took every sin that would ever happen upon himself. All that pain and punishment to pay the wrath of God. What does the Bible tell us is the wages of death? Uh, wages of sin is death. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the wages of sin is death. And he took on all the suffering and he took on death. And then he defeated it and put it behind him. Praise God. That's my God. That's my God. I don't have to worry about staying in the grave. He has the ability to rise me up and bring me with him wherever he is. Now here we have these lessons that he is teaching, but the disciples did not understand that this must take place. You see, they had always probably been taught and envisioned that when Jesus came, he was going to be a mighty warrior like David. And he was going to destroy the Roman Empire and those who have, were, were using, usurping authority over them. He, they expected full well that he would not die but live forever and that the kingdom of God would come at that time. That's what they thought. They were waiting for him to declare, now is the time. But then he said, now is the time for me to die and rise again. They're like, huh? What? <laughs> what? That's not what it's supposed to be. And it was so, Peter was taken so uh, off guard that what he said, you know, he rebuked Jesus. I mean, can you think? <laughs> I know we've probably all done it at some point. No, I don't want to do that. It rebuked, he rebuked Jesus. No, that, that can't be. You can't. But then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He didn't say get behind me, Peter. He was addressing the one who was working through Peter. He was telling Satan, get out of here. You're trying to use my own disciples to cause me to sin. He was tempting Jesus. That'll never be. That'll never be. That'll never be. But then he explained why it was wrong even. He told him, he said, You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Folks, there is a great lesson right there in what Jesus said for us. We must remember that things must always be thought about through the word of God, through the mind of God, through the spirit. What, if we only think on the level of what is human, what is natural, not the supernatural, we may get taken in by Satan the same way that Peter was. You see, many, many things that are of God are often the very opposite of what are the things of this world. So we must stop and evaluate. You know, and, and I said this morning in Sunday school, and I've said it here before, I'm going to say it again. We cannot allow ourselves to be led by our feelings. Feelings 
are not good to be a leader. Feelings will get us turned and twisted the wrong way. Many people who follow their feelings, they feel sorry for people who really don't deserve pity. Oh, it's a bad statement to make. No, it's not. It's a God statement. God himself said, if the people are not doing right, put them out of the city. Put them out of the, put them out of, of, of the clan. Put them out of Israel. He even said at one time, the disciples said that they turned people over to Satan so that they could be dealt with, but yet that their soul could be saved. You see, we don't always look at things the way God has, wants us to look at them and has told us to look in his Bible, in, in the word of God. We need to be careful that when we are evaluating things, that we don't just let our feelings guide us, that we don't even let our natural thoughts guide us, but that we pray and ask God. Let the Holy Spirit guide us into all truths, just like he said in his word. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Wow. Now, To those people in that day and that culture, that would have been a a lethal statement. Because what he's saying is, is you've got to die. You're going to be crucified just like me. Now, he didn't mean that in a physical sense. Here he's talking about in a spiritual sense. What happens when we come to Christ, when we confess our sins, when we repent of our sins... And accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is that we at that moment have made a decision to die to myself. I'm confessing my sinfulness. I'm confessing my flesh is no longer going to be in charge. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, and your spirit to come live in me and guide me to do what is right instead of doing what just comes natural by the base beast within me. That's where the true change of heart takes place. That's when we truly become a follower of Jesus Christ is when we stop making decisions and we listen and follow what God is telling us through the Holy Spirit to do. I see so many fleshly Christians today, myself included often, that it's sickening. When a Christian can support gay marriage, I'm sorry, you're going against the word of God. But it's my family member and I love them. If you love them, tell them they're sinning and they need to repent. That's love. We call it tough love sometimes, but it's just love. If you knew for a fact what the Bible says about that topic, that whoever participates in it and doesn't repent from it is going to hell, and you say, I love them, so I'm going to help them go to hell? That's love? By supporting it? No. I'm sorry. That's not love. That's hate. 
You see, the devil, he has convinced us today that love is to accept everybody regardless of who they are and what they are. Just support them. No, that's not what God does. That's not what God's word says. We're loving them by telling them the truth. That's the only chance they have of entering the gates of heaven. And if everybody supports them in their sin, guess where their soul is going to spend eternity? I don't think that's really what we want. I know it's not what God wants. It's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Got quiet in here all of a sudden. For whosoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. Now this is not talking about, again, this is not talking about physical death. Now it can come to that for some people in some situations. It can come to that because there's been many, many people in many countries who have had the opportunity to either recant their faith in Christ or die. And thank God most of them choose to die rather than to say, no, I, 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 don't, I don't want this Jesus anymore. <laughs> uh, no. But the more important application is that we stop just doing what I want and asking God what he wants and then do that. It's not an easy thing for most of us because here in America especially, but I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's everywhere, just common, that the flesh wants to be in charge. <laughs> the flesh wants what it wants and it wants it yesterday. By the way, that's called spiritual warfare. <laughs> when you are tempted by the flesh, by the world, by the devil to do something that's against God, and you're fighting against not doing it, that's spiritual warfare. And when you don't do it, and the temptation finally goes away, you've defeated Satan in his temptation. Praise God. So then he goes on to say, or, uh, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, I can remember when I was, uh, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, I, I made my mind up, by the time I'm 25, I'm going to make my first million. I mean, I felt like at the time I had the world by the, uh, you know, by the horn, and I was going to take charge. I was going to be in charge of my life, and I was going to do this, and I was going to do that, and I'm going to do it all right, and I'm going to make this, and I'm going to build this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to be wealthy. And then I joined the Navy. <laughs> you don't get wealthy in the Navy. <laughs> uh, even if you're a higher-up officer, you make better money, but you still don't get rich. Uh, but, you know... All of that was God's plan. 
I didn't know it at the time. I mean, had I not joined the Navy, I would not have free health care now. <laughs> it's totally free for me because now I am legally blind. They consider that catastrophic illness. And so they, I don't have to pay any copays. I don't pay for nothing. That's all because of God. He knew I was going to have this eye disease and he prepared for me down that path. I didn't know it. I've learned it since then. And I thank God for it every day. You see, God has a way to get us where he wants us. When I still had good eyes or better eyes <laughs> and I still had an automobile and I could still drive I went a lot of places that I really didn't need to go just to get out and go somewhere and do something you know a lot of people say how do you stay home all the time well let's see I can't drive I don't have an automobile and I don't like asking people I do if I need to but I don't frivolous well, anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say, frivolously. Yeah, I don't frivolously ask people to take me someplace just for fun. I need a purpose to do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be willing to do it on a regular basis. And, you know, I've learned that being home has been very good for me because I read a lot. To pass the time. And when I read, I'm growing because the things I read are about God and about His Word and about serving God and learning more. Wow, it has been so good for me. God knew I needed it. I didn't. I used to, wouldn't read at all. I mean, you give me a book, even a thin book, and I'd be like, ah. It'd take me days to read. <laughs> well, I've sped up my reading process by practicing. But I have learned so much. And Jesus wants us to learn here this lesson. That our soul is the most important part of who we are. And who we belong, who it belongs to. We either belong to the world system, which is connected to Satan. This is he's the prince of this world, and we can seek that million dollars or or success and this or that or the other, or we can put our focus first on seeking His kingdom. And his righteousness. Then all these other things that we need will be added unto us. Nowhere in the Bible does God promise to give us what we want. Or what we think we need. But he does promise. My children will never beg bread. My children. He's going to take care of us. No matter how hard times get, no matter how scarce things get. I mean, think about Elijah. When he said it's not going to rain till I say so <laughs> again, God told him to go to the brook 
And there he would have water and that ravens would bring him bread and meat every day. And we sometimes doubt that God can meet our needs. Come on, we need to stop and think about what he's taught us through his word. Yeah, well, it's just a story. No, it's a fact. <laughs> it's history. It's factual history. I don't know about you, but usually when if I see a big bird like a raven, a big black bird coming towards me, I'm ready to run. But they usually don't have a, a leg of lamb in their hands either <laughs> uh, or a loaf of bread. That's my God. He is able. We must trust him. We must believe him. And we must focus on him first and foremost in everything. We got to stop being self-centered and start being Christ-centered. It's not easy, but if we work at it, we'll get better and better and better. This next thing is very frightening to me. It says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him or her when he goes in his Father's glory comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. In other words, when he comes back, we're in trouble. If we're ashamed to share about him, In this world, if we allow ourselves to cower down in fear instead of standing up and telling who Jesus is and telling people about his love and his mercy and that he wants them to be saved, if we don't stand up and stand out in this sinful and adulterous generation, I mean, boy, that's like yesterday's news, right? Or today's news. If we don't tell the truth to people who will. We say we are his ambassadors. We have been empowered by him to represent him here on earth. Sinners have not been. The lost have not been. But we, the saved, his children, we have been given the command. We have been empowered with the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need as long as our faith is where it ought to be. In him, not in self, not in the world, not in others around us, but in him. That's how we keep our relationship with him. Is putting him first, listening to him, talking to him, reading his word over and over and over Because the more we get into the word, the more the word gets into us. And this last thing he said to them, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, this is the the situation where the Holy Spirit had not yet come. Pentecost was coming. And those people who were there, most of them were still alive when the Pentecost 
came the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the power of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God came to earth on the day of Pentecost, the day the church was birthed. That power lives in you, you, and me. What are we doing with it? Are we representing him the way we should? Sure, we all try to live a righteous and holy life, and we try to do right. But do we evangelize? He said to his disciples, go and make disciples. He didn't say invite them to church. (laughs) He said, go and make disciples. Hmm. Inviting them to church is part of it, but that's not all of it. First, they need to see our lives in Christ. Then we need to witness to them and find out where they are. And then if we find out that they don't know who Jesus is as their Lord and Savior, then we need to make a friendship with them and work with them over time. We don't need to tell them immediately, well, you're headed to hell. (laughs) We need to build a rapport with them and a friendship with them so that they will want to hear from us, that they will know that we love them and care about them first. I tell you what, I, I personally have experienced this before, and I've done it before, not knowing any better because I was with a preacher who told me to do it. But you, you just walk up to somebody, cold calling, they call it, and tell them, hey, did you know if you died right now, you'd go to hell? I had somebody tell me that after I was a minister. I was like, uh, I don't think so. What makes you think you won't? Because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Oh. (laughs) I said, you might not want to start off with that line next time. It's very offensive to those of us who are already Christians. I said, and it's also offensive to those who aren't. That shouldn't be the opening line. You might want to say, hello, my name is... (laughs) Uh, Do you have a few minutes? Could I talk to you about Jesus? It might be a more appropriate way. Or I'll tell you something that works pretty well at opening uh, doors is like you tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you. That's all you got to say. And some people, oh, thanks. Some people say, yeah, I know. Some people say, I don't think so. Yep. Open door. (laughs) Jesus needs to be the center of everything because that's where he is. He's the creator. He's the savior. He's the judge. He needs to be in the center of our lives. So I want to challenge us this year to work towards more and more making him the center of our lives by reading his word, by talking to him, 
and by doing what he says. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning, number 376, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? Let's stand and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of Do you have anything else for us, Brother Mitch? Yeah, I forgot to read that letter. No, I don't. Oh. You dropped it. <laughs> Thank you. Ah. All right. Now, let me put that down. This is uh, from Herman and Connie uh, regarding their ministry and, uh, and our support as a church. Did I do something? No, I'm still standing there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Dear friends at Lexington Christian, 
We are very grateful for your prayers and your support in our ministry, especially for the sacrifices you have made behind them. The year 2022 closed with the celebration of Christ coming to our troubled and sinful world and his mission to pour his blood for our salvation. We praise him now and we will praise him eternally, uh, praise him in eternity long for the redemption he gave us. As you prayed, prayed, and gave, it empowered us together to see 4,970 more souls welcome in 2022. Uh, welcome him into their hearts. Uh, our heartfelt thanks to you and praise the Lord. Let's pray on a. Uh, let's pray on and pray harder yet for the lost souls for the USA and the challenges ahead. May God bless you and give you His abundant joy and peace in the new year. Connie and Herman Yusuf. We'll post that on the bulletin board out uh, in the middle room there, so yeah. you can take a look at it if you want to. Okay. Um, Lynn, do you have anything for us this morning? Any instructions for the... Uh, I think I think we can be sure of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, this will be the last uh, last chance if uh, if you want to give a don them sleep. Or uh, oh, and didn't you say uh, cash only, no checks or? Right. And the memo right for Wayne. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Okay. Right. It makes it a lot easier on the treasurer, an assistant treasurer, doesn't it? Do we have any, uh, anyone to add to or? All right, go home. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's close out with prayer. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for being here with us again this morning. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And Lord, help us not to leave or forsake you, but to walk with you, to walk in your will, and to do what your word says. Lord, help us to be obedient children and to show and to share your love with all. Lord, we pray that as we all go home, that you will give us traveling mercies, and Lord, that uh, you will give us the strength and the courage and the desire to come back tonight at 5 o'clock and to praise you some more. We ask all of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.